Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. How are you? So good to be with you on this very special, special day. And, you know, I was thinking about this recently and I mentioned it to our last service, but there are three really pivotal moments in human history, right? There are a lot of big things, but when I say pivotal, pivotal in the sense that it literally changes the course of everything. And I would say the three most important moments in human history would be the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, right? And today is one of those days that we're celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. And this is when I say it's pivotal, this is what I mean by this is how pivotal this is. And many of you know this to be true, and we've mentioned it before, but History itself is split in two. You have BC, which means before Christ, and you have AD, which means Anno Domini, Latin for in the year of our Lord. What we're talking about today has literally split all of human history. That's why we're celebrating it. So I wanna pray and I wanna dive into that. So if you will, let's bow our heads one more time and go before the Lord. Father, we love you. Father, I love you. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the call of God to be able to do what I'm doing now. Thank you more importantly than that. You've called me to be your follower. And I'm in your kingdom. And I pray, God, for the many in this room today that just like, Lord, what the angel told Mary Magdalene when she showed up at the tomb. He's not here, he's risen. And go tell the disciples. Help me today as I tell your disciples and remind them of your truth. And I also pray that you would draw those whose hearts are far from you. And above all else, Holy Spirit, I ask that you glorify Jesus, the Son of God, the risen Savior through me in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to dive right in and get started with our message today. And I want to tell you why we're gathered. What is it that we're doing? What's the point of this? Why are we here? Right? Why is Easter such a big deal for Christians? And I'll tell you why. It's because we have good news. And the good news that we have to share is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Now, What we're going to talk about is the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. And when I say everyone, I mean more than the first five people in the first part of the church. I mean everyone. Say the gospel. The gospel gospel simply means the good news. That's what the gospel is. Gospel is not a genre of music. Gospel is not a type of writing. Gospel means good news. And we celebrate this because we have good news to share as Christians. So... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you will go there with me, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul who traveled the known world preaching this gospel, telling the world about this good news. 
And he tells us, he writes to one of those church that he, churches that he planted what the good news is. And this is what he says. Chapter 15, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important. Everyone say most important. And what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been seen, I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This morning, I want to take you on a bit of a journey. And to be exact, I want to take you on a three-day journey. And like any journey, you know, there's good parts of the journey and there's bad parts of the journey. And to put this in a context in a way that you'll understand, how many of you have ever taken a family trip? And if you'll notice, I didn't call it a vacation. I called it a family trip. If you go with your children, it is a family trip. If you go with just your spouse or sometimes just yourself, it is considered a vacation. And you know that there are good parts of that journey and there are bad parts of that journey. When you're on your way and you're making, come on, every, every husband who drives and you take the trip and you plan it out to a T, every husband who drives that journey and you realize we're making good time, we're going to get there early and then everything's going good, then somebody suggests, let's stop at Bucky's. <laughs> Two and a half hours later, and $200 more in debt, the bad part of the journey begins, right? And for those of you who are, who are moms and you've, you've had children, you remember there's good, you know there's good parts of that journey of pregnancy. There's good parts and there's bad parts. There's the good part, which is the first part. I'll let that sink in. There's the good part, and then there's 10 months of the bad part. And in between there's joyous moments and there's good moments and then there's the, the ultimate moment of joy when that, that baby is born into the world and you're static and life begins, right? And so there's, in most journeys, all journeys really, there's good parts and there's bad parts. And I mentioned to you this morning that I have good news for you. Well, there's the good news that I want us all to know. But in order for you to really appreciate good news, you have to first know why it's good. You have to know what makes it good. And you, it's hard to understand what makes good news good without knowing the bad news. So on this journey, this three-day journey, I want to take you on a navigational tour through the good and the bad 
of this story. Let's celebrate with the day that we just celebrated on Friday, known as Good Friday. And if you're anything like me, then for years, you probably wondered to yourself and didn't really want to ask, why do we call Good Friday good? Because isn't that the day that our Lord and our Savior died a horrible, agonizing death on the cross? What makes that good? I want to answer that question for you. Because for, for many of the people involved in this story, it was not good. Most of all, Jesus, it was not good. For the Jewish people, that whole nation of people, it was not good. And this is why I say it was not good, because they had hoped for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. And when I say the Messiah, the Messiah is this word, it means anointed one. Messiah and Christ actually are the same word. Christ is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew. It means the anointed one. They had hoped as a people that the rescuer, the Messiah that God had promised in the Old Testament would come and rescue them. Because they had been passed from from dictator to dictator, from regime to regime. They were handed to many different nations of people and now they had landed underneath the tyranny of Rome. And they were not free. They paid taxes to Rome. They had to do whatever Rome told them to do because they were subjugated. They were subjects of the Roman Empire and they had hoped that maybe, just maybe, their Messiah had actually come. Because on this Friday, if you think, look, five days previous to this moment, on the day that we just talked about last Sunday, called Palm Sunday, was the day when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, revealing to the nation that your Messiah has come, that your King has come, and hope for that would be at an all-time high, seeing him having heard the stories of him healing the sick and him opening blinded eyes and rumor has it that he had just healed a man, he just raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. This has to be the Messiah we've been waiting for. This has to be our rescue and our hope. Only to have that Friday end with their hope nailed to the cross like a piece of meat and put there by the very nation of people, Rome, that they had hoped Jesus would rescue them from. Friday was a painful day. For the disciples who had followed him, and I'm speaking primarily of the 12, but not just the 12. For those disciples who had left everything to follow Jesus, it was a painful day. Because many of them left homes, they left family, they left their careers, they left left all that they knew and that they were comfortable with in life, all because this man who claimed to be the Messiah came doing miracles for them to see. And not only did he do that, but he asked them to be his followers. And they were brought close and they got to intimately see his life. For three to three and a half years, they they slept in the same area he slept in. They watched him multiply fish and loaves. They watched him do these miraculous things, and he was their friend. 
He was their mentor. He was their confidant. He was their teacher, their rabbi. He was everything to them. And they left it all at his word and at his call. And now he was dead. What were they supposed to do with that? And last of all, and certainly not least, it was not good for Jesus, who was sinless, who was spotless, who had never done anything wrong. He never lied, he never cheated, he never disobeyed God. Everything he did was right. Nothing that he had done was wrong. Nothing he had ever done was sin. Yet he was the one accused by the very nation of people that he came to rescue. Crucified by the very people he himself created in the beginning. And he took on him sins that he never committed as he was nailed to that cross beaten with the cat of nine tails. And many of you, some of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ where he was beaten and the flesh from his body literally ripped off by those whips. Many believe his beard was literally pulled from his face, crown of thorn placed on his head. And the cross was not a simple death where you just died. It was dehydration. It was suffocation. It was the worst agony and pain that Rome could inflict on a person. That is what happened to our king. So, Pastor, if all of that happened, you still haven't answered the question. Why do we call this Good Friday? Let me keep explaining this. How could it be good? It was good because everything he did on that cross was for me. Everything he did on on that cross was for you. See, this is the way the Bible describes us. When the Bible talks about sin, it says that the the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Let me unpack what that means. The wages meaning the payment. The payment for sin is always death. See, when I work my job, I expect that every other Friday, I'm going to receive my payment, my wages. And some of you are the the exact same way. When you work your job, you expect what? Your payment. If you work your job, you work the hours, and you don't get paid, all of a sudden, some of you get real ghetto real quick. (laughs) You just wear my money. Right? And, And things... You, you expect the payment for what you have done. Well, the Bible tells us that the payment for our sin is death. Let me um, explain that even a little bit more. The payment for our sin is death. I, I've been a pastor since I was around 24 years old. I'm 42 now. I've done many funerals. And one of the questions that I often answer in funerals is this. Pastor, why does this hurt so much? Why does death hurt so much? Not just for the person going through it, but for the the people left behind in its wake. Why do we hurt? Why do we grieve? Why does this never feel natural? It doesn't matter if they were 99 years old or nine days old. It never feels easy. I'll tell you why. Because we were never supposed to die. 
We were never supposed to die. Death was not God's original plan for mankind. He created Adam and Eve to live forever. And it was not until sin came into the world that death came into the world. It was not the original plan. And when sin came into the world, separation from God came, guilt came, shame came, condemnation came, regret came, and so did death. See, the end result for all of our sins is not simply the good feeling that it may cause. The end result of our sin is not simply the regret that we feel. It's not simply the shame that we hide it from. That is not the end result of your sin. The end result of your sin, the ultimate payment, the ultimate wage for your sin is death. That's what makes Good Friday good. Because when Jesus died on that cross, he said, I'll pay that price. I will die for your sin. That's what makes Good Friday good. Now, what about Saturday? So Saturday, as we go on to the next leg of this journey, if, if Friday is a day full of disappointment and hurt and loss and agony, if that's what Friday represents, then Saturday represents hopelessness. It represents all hope being gone. Because on, like many of us, you've experienced moments where tragedy has come or something horrible has happened, or you've suddenly lost something or someone, and now you're left with this feeling. Initially, you have shock. Initially, you have, I cannot believe this just happened. But it's after that shock wears off that hopelessness starts to settle in. And you start really realizing and feeling what you've lost. And I believe that's where the disciples were. Because they scattered and they left and they went many back to their jobs, went back to what they knew as life. Because this man they had followed the day before, he was now dead. And now what are we going to do? Saturday represents hopelessness. Have you, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever had your hopes and your dreams just collapse in front of your face and in a moment, you seem to forget everything that you once knew to be true. A friend of mine, Tim Sinsley, who attends our, our church, he said something to me in a text message. He said, believe what you know, not what you think. Believe what you know, not what you think. And there's something in the Bible that I found so ironic about Saturday that I want to read to you. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 62, on Saturday, the day after Jesus died, this is what the scripture says. It says, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. Now, these are the same religious leaders who got Jesus arrested. The same religious leaders who trumped up these charges to have him killed. And this is the same Pilate who was the governor who stood there and had to make the ultimate decision of whether or not Jesus would be crucified or set free. And he chose to please the people and have Jesus crucified. So those same leaders are going to that same governor and this is what they're saying. They told him, sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. 
This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we will be worse off than we were at first. And Pilate replied, take guards and secure it to the best you can. Don't miss this. So they seal the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Two things I want you to see about this moment, this Saturday. First thing is this, what I find so ironic is that on that Saturday, Jesus' enemies remembered something. They remembered that Jesus had once said, or multiple times really, had said he was going to die. He was going to be handed over to his betrayers. He was going to face this hardship and this death. But on the third day, he was going to rise again. Jesus' enemies remember that. But what I find so ironic is that his friends did not. His, his enemies remembered him saying this. And this would only lead me to believe that his followers were so overwhelmed with hopelessness. They were so overwhelmed with grief. They were so just... I can't believe this happened. What now that they didn't even remember that Jesus told them this was going to happen? Grief has a way of doing that to us. Pain has a way of doing that to us. Hopelessness has a way of doing that to us. Even sometimes as Christians, as believers, we forget what he's already told us. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is this, that the disciples, excuse me, the, the Romans, Pilate said, all right, fine, go and seal the tomb. And this is important. He said, seal the tomb. In that day, they would take a seal. It was like wax, just like this type of seal you see on an envelope. If you've ever seen an ancient document, they have a, a seal on it and they seal it close to ensure that it's not going to be opened because if that wax is broken, then you know that seal, that, excuse me, that letter has been opened. So imagine a seal placed on that giant rock that already closed the tomb, but a wax seal with the emblem of the most powerful nation in all of the world at that time, Rome. And that seal better not be broken because with it comes the full wrath of Rome. This is what they were up against and that is what Saturdays often come to do in our lives and in our souls. You get the hit, you get the problem, you have the loss, you have the issue and then hopelessness comes to seal the deal to make sure that you stay closed up in death. But here's our good news. If Friday and Saturday is the bad news, here's the good news. Sunday came. Sunday came. And Sunday is a day of victory. This is why we celebrate Easter. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. Because though Friday was pain, it was loss, it was disillusionment. Though Saturday was hopelessness, it was forgetting the truth that we already know. When Sunday came, it came with victory. Victory over what, Pastor Gabe? Everything I just mentioned. Everything that was standing in its way and your way. Sunday came to defeat. And I want to read to you what happened on Sunday. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, 
the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance and with it the seal was broken. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the man asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you. I love that. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. In verse 8, then they remembered. For some of you, I hope that just hearing this story reminds you of the truth that we put our hope in. That it does not matter what you're facing. It does not matter what life has dealt you. As a follower, as a believer, we have this hope and we have this victory. Then they remembered that he has said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene. It was Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. I'll tell you what happened. Victory happened. Victory happened. And even his disciples initially did not believe until Jesus showed up to them and they believed. Victory, pastor, over what? Like I mentioned everything I just said. Victory over sin. Your sins and my sin. From the greatest sin you've ever committed to the least thing that you think insignificant. It all is payable by death. That is what, that's the wages of our sin. Yet Jesus came and defeated it. Victory over hopelessness. We can put our hope in the God who came to help us, the God who came to rescue us, the God who came to save us. Victory over the powers of the world. As I mentioned, the most powerful government in the world was Rome. And that seal was placed there. And Matthew's account of this gospel says that 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 stone with that seal, seal was broken Stone was rolled away and the angel sat on the stone as if to say, the powers of the world are beneath me. Beneath the God of the universe. Victory over the powers of this world and ultimately victory over death itself. The enemy, the last enemy, the ultimate enemy, the thing that came into the world by our doing, Jesus came and defeated it. I don't know if you know this or not, but the thing that really separates Christianity from all of the other major religions in the world, it's not just that we believe Jesus was born and came. There are many other religions that believe Jesus came. There are, many, there are other religions, excuse me, that believe Jesus came, was a good teacher, even a prophet. 
Some religions even believe that Jesus himself was the Messiah. He was the Christ. But the thing that separates us from every other one of those beliefs is what he did on Sunday when he rose again from the dead. And he proved in that moment, I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just someone to give you some morality to help you live a better life. I am the Messiah and I am God and I've defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. That's our victory. That was not just his victory in his love for us. He came, won the victory, and offered it to us. As a matter of fact, and I didn't share this with any of the other services, but that word, gospel, comes from the word euagelion. You may be wondering, why are you telling me that? It's a Greek word, euagelion, and it's a word picture. And this is the word picture. It's the picture of a kingdom at war, at battle. And the messenger coming to the kingdom, carrying a flag of victory, saying, we won. That's what the gospel means. That's what the good news is. You can have victory in Christ. You can win. You can have this victory. For the believer, this is our victory. Let this remind you. Let this Easter Sunday remind you of what we put our hope in and what we trust in. If you're not a believer, maybe you find yourself in verse 11 that says, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Maybe up until this point, hearing the stories about Jesus or growing up in church, hearing about it, maybe it just seemed like nonsense to you. Like, okay, maybe, maybe it happened, maybe it did, maybe it's just for these, these good churchy people. He did that for you because he loves you. This is not just something in a storybook. This is the truth, and this is the thing that split all of eternity, and it can split your life. You can have a B.C., and you can have an A.D. in this very moment. And this is all Jesus asks of you. Believe. Believe in what I did for you. Believe that what I've said is true. Believe that not only did I die, I died for you. And not only did I die for you, I rose again from from the dead, defeating it on your behalf. And the second thing he asks of you is simply this. Don't miss this. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And that is the call he is offering to every person in this place today that is not a believer. You are not here by mistake. You are here because he has called you. And all he asks is that you respond to it with belief and that you follow. So I'm going to ask everyone in this place, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to this call. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and to bow your heads, everyone in this place. I want to provide an opportunity, a moment for you and God, a private moment for you and for God. What I'm talking about is what the Bible calls being born again. And it is just like how it sounds. 
the old you dies and with it sin, with it guilt, with it condemnation. And in Christ, you become a new creation raised to life the same way Jesus was raised to life. And we like to say the process of being born again is as simple as ABC. A, you admit some of you, it's by the Spirit of God. Some of you have heard this many times before, but today you are hearing it. And I want you to respond to it. A, you admit. Admit what, Pastor Gabe, that I'm a sinner. There is sin in my life that separates me from God. You stop calling it mistakes. You stop acting like it's just something you need to improve upon. You call it what it is. It's unrighteousness and it's sin that separates you from a sinless, perfect, holy God. B, you believe. You believe that everything we just talked about from the Gospels, from the Word of God is true. And not only is it true, you believe that it is for you. See, you confess. You confess that He is now the risen Savior who rose again from the dead on the third day. And he is also your Lord. And you will follow him. That's all they ask. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Gabe, I want that. If God loves me that much, if God wants to have that relationship with me, then I want that. I can tell you I made this decision at 16 years old as a very sinful young man, hurting, confused, broken, bitter, and far from him and in an instant he saved me and changed me and I've never been the same since and that can happen to you today so with no one looking around on the count of three I'm going to ask you if you say that's me I want that I want that new life I want to follow Jesus I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand on the count of three and then I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me and it's not the words of the prayer. It's not the, nothing magical and mystical about the prayer, but it's the Spirit of God that's going to come into your life as you make Jesus Lord. It's His blood that was shed. It's His grace that's going to save you. If you mean this, He will meet you right where you're at. One, two, three. If that's you, lift it up. You say, that's me, Pastor, I want to be born again. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands back there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Thank you, young ladies up front. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your, your two hands back there. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your three hands back there. Thank you. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand. Wow. Thank you. Anyone else? You can put them down. Maybe you didn't raise your hand that first time and you were embarrassed or ashamed and I'm not sure. I don't Listen, if you are sure and this is the decision you want to make, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Don't let what other person next to you who might be looking thinks this is your moment with God. Don't miss this. On the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. I didn't raise it the first time, Pastor Gabe, but I want it. I want to be born again. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Anyone else? God, thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. You can put him down. Church, let's pray out loud with all of these saints as they're entering into the kingdom and entering into eternal life. Say these words with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender. 
and I believe you are the son of God. I believe on that cross, you died for my sin, for my guilt, for my shame. I believe you faced death, you faced hell, and you faced the grave so that I would not have to. And you rose again from the dead on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with God the Father. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I choose to follow you. From this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's celebrate that with every person that prayed that prayer.